It's the New Mercury Podcast, and here's your host, Kyle A. Lohmeyer. And welcome back to another calm and lengthy tirade here on the New Mercury Podcast. Last week on my blog, I finally broke my silence about the whole Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court nomination circus. I had until then not written a word about it because I'm just not that interested in political theater even if the production values, casting, and script writing continues to improve as it has over the past two decades or so. To me, all the he said, she said, back and forth over what might have happened or not some 30 years ago just wasn't in and of itself all that compelling. I simply don't care what happened at that party all those years ago. And please don't mistake my dismissiveness for a general disregard for the problem of rape and other types of violence against women. All right? Violence against women is a problem here and all over the world. In many cases, the more fundamentally religious the nation and or its laws are, the worse the plight of women in those nations is, sadly. But coming back specifically to Dr. Christine Blazing Ford's case, the fact that it is all part of this political theater makes her accusations that much harder to judge in any realistic or objective sense. To me, what was really interesting about the whole confirmation battle was the fact that Republicans were just absolutely bound and determined to get this guy under the bench. If you spend any time listening to the various talking heads on the Salem radio network that you're Mike Gallagher, Dennis Prager, etc., most, and particularly the two I mentioned, were just aghast at the Democrats' quote, dirty tricks, and were just falling over themselves singing Brett Kavanaugh's praises. But why? Is it because Kavanaugh's positions are in lockstep with mainstream Republicanism? Not really. I mean, the man believes any firearm, quote, not in common use, can be banned. Never mind that the Second Amendment contains no verbiage that would convey any sort of support for that position, and more on that later. And he's openly hostile to the Fourth Amendment because he's a big fan of government surveillance of us all. So, on the surface, it seems that Kavanaugh's reception by the GOP faithful should have been lukewarm at best. Sure, the true believers who think Roe v. Wade will be overturned one day see him as some sort of shining beacon of hope. But, again, those folks believe all sorts of silly things. So why the unabashed adoration for this guy? Well, the conservative media outlets like Faux News and the aforementioned Talking Heads framed the nomination battle as Trump versus the world round 462, or whatever it was. And it worked. That's all it took. As soon as it became a matter of Kavanaugh is Trump's guy and the Democrats are trying all these dirty tricks and bringing stuff up from 30 years ago to derail a good man and destroy his life, etc., etc., Well, that was it. The blinders went on, the gloves came off, and the GOP faithful took to social media and the phone lines at Salem Media uh, Broadcasting to scream their vitriolic hate of the Democrats and their unwavering support for Kavanaugh, a man whose views they clearly don't know much about or care. That is what made this whole thing interesting. It's really the only thing about it that was interesting to me. I'm sure the efficacy of presenting the nomination battle in this way was lost on no one in government. It was lost on everyone who it was supposed to be lost on, and that was the point. The government and the media have portrayed Trump as some sort of maverick from the get-go. One, or maybe more, I'm not sure which off the top of my head, of those uh, Salem Broadcasting talking heads likes to refer to Trump as a bull in a china shop. By playing this idealized vision of Trump that his adorers have, the media actually got supposedly conservative, supposedly small government people to vehemently and vociferously support a man who wants to grow government's intrusiveness even more, while at the same time being amenable to banning guns. Not just regulating or restricting them, but banning outright entire classes of firearms, specifically machine guns, as he himself mentioned. I mean, that was a pretty neat trick, wasn't it? Imagine the media duping lefties into supporting an Obama Supreme Court nominee who happened to want to repeal the Gun Control Act of 1934, but they got 
lefties to support it by selling it as Obama versus the right. I'm betting it would have worked, not that the government would ever allow such a person anywhere near the bench. And the funny thing to me is that this guy obviously is not Trump's pick. I mean, let's remember, Trump isn't a career politician. He is not some lifelong beltway swamp rat. It's not like he spent his time over the years before he even ran for president, following the careers of federal judges, making notes of their rulings, and reading their opinions. The guy can't be bothered to learn much of anything about anything, and he sure as hell wasn't paying attention to Brett Kavanaugh or any other federal judge all these years. These nominations come from deeper within the government. Again, political theater dictates whether, quote, conservative or liberal judges will be nominated depending on the president, but these nominations don't come from our elected figureheads. Too much is at stake for that. The government relies upon the preservation of the status quo. Disruption is bad for the oligarchs. They need reliable votes. They need, for instance, someone who will ignore the Fourth Amendment and rule in the government's favor any time the NSA and its activities end up before the court. They'd also like very much a reliable vote to keep incrementally removing the right of Americans to own firearms. Trump has already sold his supporters on banning bump stocks because, they rationalize, that's not really banning guns, it's just banning an accessory. And yes, bump stocks are really just a gimmicky accessory. I wrote now more than a year ago, right after the Las Vegas shooting, that the NRA even getting behind a bump stock ban was just a political gambit. The idea then was to sacrifice bump stocks to the left in hopes that, mollified, they'd just go away with little damage done to our rights. In a cynically political way, that does make a ton of sense. But since the left just kind of went away on its own, distracted by the next uh, national outrage du jour, the bump stock ban discussion too went away. Until the anniversary rolled around here just recently, anyway. In real life, any restriction of any sort on any firearm or accessory is just inherently unjust. That Republicans could be sold on a bump stock ban at all is just strange to me. That a combination of bizarre adoration for Trump and cynical pragmatism could move his fans off of what should be a fundamental position just goes to show the power of the manipulative press. Expect the state to use it again to see what else conservatives can be goaded into accepting as long as it is Trump doing the goading. Who knows? Maybe a combination of Kavanaugh and Trump will be enough to sell conservatives on banning entire firearms. As Kavanaugh himself said he's comfortable doing with machine guns specifically along with, and this is the real key here, guns not in, quote, common use. Not in common use. Think on that. Not in common use. What the hell does that even mean? In 2009, when the Chris Vector submachine gun was introduced to the market, Chris Vector submachine guns weren't in common use. They'd just been introduced. Since it's a gun that is not in common use, does that mean it can be banned then for Kavanaugh? Also uncommon was its delayed blowback method of operation. Outside of the vector, firearms featuring that specific method of operation just aren't in common use. Does that make them eligible to be banned? The makers of guns and ammunition are constantly fiddling with new cartridge designs. Some catch on, some don't. The ones that don't catch on, often known as, quote, wildcat cartridges, can certainly be said to not be in common use. Even the ones that do catch on don't do so overnight, really. When the 6.5mm Creedmoor cartridge was introduced in 2008, it again was, at first, not in common use. It would have been a real shame had it been banned, since, in the intervening eight years, experts like David E. Petzl have come to regard it as nearly magical in its range, accuracy, and ballistics. Right now, a new 6.5 cartridge, the 6.5 PMC, is taking the rifle world by storm, but still certainly isn't in common use. I'm sorry, I just have a lot of problems with this infinitely elastic, quote, common use rationalization Kavanaugh has for taking away basic human rights. Common use. And common use by whom, even? 
Certainly not the military, otherwise he'd have little rationalization for keeping us from buying machine guns, since those are in fairly common use throughout the military. But really, it's probably a good thing in the long run he can't be, quote, common use by the military, since the military tends to like standardization and only uses a handful of cartridges common to other NATO firearms, such as 5.56, 9mm, etc., etc. And well, you know, I mean, who doesn't like variety? And the military doesn't issue revolvers anymore, and... I'm sorry, but a world without wheel guns is just not a world I wish to inhabit. Equally disturbing is how cavalier Kavanaugh is when it comes to the Fourth Amendment. It does, after all, he reasons prohibit only, quote, unreasonable searches. A massive, intrusive, indiscriminate program of nonstop government electronic surveillance is, according to Kavanaugh, quote, reasonable because, he says, national security is more important than any one individual's rights. Well, hell, if that's the standard, then indeed what he'd consider a reasonable search is about as infinitely elastic a criteria as is banning guns because they're not in common use. Essentially, nothing the government does then is unreasonable so long as it is done in the name of national security. That's the same mentality that found Japanese Americans shamefully herded into internment camps during World War II. Perfectly reasonable to preemptively cage innocent people, right? Because it was done in the name of national security. I mean, they might just have to silence us fringe weirdo bloggers and podcasters someday, too, in the name of national security. Hell, in the end, anything can be rationalized in the name of national security. Oh, is that a four-ounce travel-sized bottle of shampoo? Step over here, sir. The limit is 3.4 ounces. I'm going to have to shove my hand into your rectum now, in the name of national security. Anything can be rationalized in the name of national security. We live through it every day. Really want to see it get worse? So, while the pro-wrestling-style script that the Trump faithful are following points to Kavanaugh's confirmation as a win, in real life, the Senate just confirmed an authoritarian enemy of the Bill of Rights and of basic human rights to the Supreme Court. But still, those so-called conservatives are cheering, because faux news and Salem Broadcasting and the like told them to, and they believed it. They couldn't even be bothered to look at the man's own words and see him for what he is. I mean, it's just breathtaking, really. Again, in that same way, standing on the deck of one of the ships observing the Bikini Atoll blasts had to be breathtaking in that, oh, hell, we really are on the verge of total annihilation sort of way. And who knows, maybe Kavanaugh is enough of a nutjob to vote in favor of overturning Roe v. Wade. I still don't think so, though. As much as the GOP panders to what's left of the religious Reich in order to get their votes, I'm betting they've done the math and understand that banning abortion and trying to rein in government spending on entitlement programs are mutually exclusive propositions. On average, there are about 700,000 abortions in the USA every year, give or take. Also every year, the top reason cited by women having abortions for doing so was, quote, financial concerns. They simply couldn't afford to have a kid at that point in their lives. And that's understandable. Raising a child costs a ton of money, and given the stagnant economy thanks to the government's constant interference in the market, most young women simply don't have that ton of money handy. So it's quite reasonable then to assume that the majority of those children, had they been born along with their mothers, would have ended up on government assistance. And she's going to get that child tax credit regardless if it totals more than she paid in taxes all year either way. So, okay, fine. Call me a monster for breaking it all down to dollars and cents. But as a taxpayer, I'm rather thankful for abortion. And I'm pretty sure that if my not very mathematically inclined self figured this all out on my own, then the bean counters in government, even Republican ones, have to. Because against those 700,000 or so abortions each year, Americans adopt about 135,000 children. <laughs> and 26% of those come from other countries. 
So I don't think the USA is going to find another 565,000 plus foster parents each and every year if abortion is banned and all those unwanted babies are carried to term. Those babies are going to end up burdens on the taxpayer. There's just no way around it. Even if you think banning abortion will make Jesus happy, you've got to understand that it is going to make your bank account very, very unhappy. So, sure, in foresight to many of us, and hindsight soon for the rest, Kavanaugh's confirmation just sucks. Already there's an effort afoot to impeach him, though I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Social media is naturally ablaze with impassioned pleas about how we all better start caring and get out and vote this November and in 2020 if we're going to save the country from Trump and the Republicans. Because these are the conditioned responses Americans are expected to have to what their government does. Go vote some more. Vote harder. Knit a pussy hat. Whatever you do, just make sure you keep playing the government's game. That's the message. That's always the message. And so that's what we Americans do, right? We keep installing members of one or the other party and wondering why everything keeps getting worse. When's the last time the government did anything that made your life actually better? When's the last time you voted yourself some happiness? Oh, sure, Colorado, Washington State, and a few others voted themselves the decriminalization of marijuana. That's pretty good, right? Oh, and back in 2004, the government let the Brady Bill sunset, and Americans could once again buy magazines that held the number of rounds that their handguns were meant to carry. Wait, in Colorado, etc., life got better not because the government did something, but because the government stopped doing things, namely putting people in cages for having parts of a plant. Same thing in 2004. Life got better because absurd, arbitrary, and utterly ineffective regulations on rifles and handguns went away. And again, the government made things a little better by doing less, not more. If you own an escort, your life got a little better recently. Why? Not because the government did anything for you, but because it stopped taking quite as much of your profits from said business. Government only ever improves our lives by going away. Those of you old enough to remember flying before 9-11 remember how airport security was a hassle, but it was a reasonable and more or less efficient one. Now the lengthy security theater we're subjected to requires us to arrive at the airport earlier than we ever had to, restricts what we can bring aboard, and has, to date, not stopped one terrorist attack. Oh, and now all of us taxpayers get to pay for it, even if you never ever fly. So, coming back to Brett Kavanaugh, given his favorable opinions toward government surveillance and firearm regulation, it's clear he's not a guy who is interested in making government smaller. So, he's definitely not in favor of making it better. Well, as much better as it can be made while still existing anyway. So, I'm just stumped on why it is that so-called conservatives are celebrating. Well, no, that's not it, really. I know what they're celebrating. They're celebrating what's being hailed as a victory for the president. Just another example of hashtag winning to be added to his tally like the Dow numbers or the unemployment rate. So much winning, right? That's what they're celebrating. I get that. It's the why they or anyone would be celebrating their continued enslavement that is beyond me. Well, that's not really true either. It's not, quote, beyond me. I get it. It is, after all, just another aspect of the illusion of participation and control the government and its media gives us. If you're convinced that your voice matters and your adherence to and adoration of one party or the other was a conscious decision you made, then when your, quote, team wins, you win, right? Fans of the Houston Astros are feeling pretty good today. They just swept the Cleveland Indians out of the Major League postseason. And likewise, if you follow the tribe, you're probably not having that great of a day. That's the exact same mentality behind Trump supporters celebrating Kavanaugh's confirmation. The team they've decided to be a fan of won, and therefore, vicariously, they feel good about it. Most people pick their sports team affiliations based on where they were born or where they live. But that's not a hard, fast rule. I mean, I know a guy who's never even been to Beantown, but still pays for the Major League Baseball package on DirecTV so he can watch all the Red Sox games. It doesn't make much sense. Kind of like a wealthy person 
choosing to cheer for Team Democrat, but it happens. But make no mistake, Joe Schmo sitting down there in Houston had no more to do with the Strohs sweeping the tribe in three than Steve Fox News viewer had to do with Kavanaugh getting confirmed. But somehow both Joe and Steve feel some sort of vicarious sense of accomplishment and victory. In sports, of course, this is harmless. Sports is just an escape and the ultimate reality television, a handy diversion from the daily tax slave grind. Getting fired up about your team can be a welcome respite from getting ground down by your government, even if temporary and wholly illusory. Unless their fandom was accompanied by a bet that paid off, sports fans don't actually win anything when their team wins. That's kind of where the similarities between sports fandom and political fandom end. And really, politics in the USA has come down to the same level of sports fandom. Only instead of leagues with 30-some teams and them for you to choose from, we get just two. And in politics, when your team, quote, wins, you, the fans sitting at home, don't just win nothing as you would were you watching a baseball game. You actually lose things, always. With the Kavanaugh confirmation, whether you're cheering or not, you just lost protection for your basic human rights, as described by Amendments 2 and 4. Why half the electorate is cheering that remains a mystery to me, particularly which half is doing the cheering. There is another great dissimilarity between sports fandom and government fandom. As I said earlier, sports are really the ultimate reality TV, unscripted and unpredictable. Really, then, the sport politics is most like is professional wrestling. In the WWE, etc., there's a ton of blow and bluster and neat, colorful action, but it's all scripted. The winners and losers are predetermined. And at the end of the day, whether you're a face or a heel, the two teams in pro wrestling, good guys and bad guys, you still get your paycheck from the same guy. It's the guy who runs the promotion. Just like whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat, you're getting your campaign financed by a combination of the same hundred or so very wealthy people who fund the majority of all campaigns for the House, Senate, and White House. So unless you're one of those 100 or so guys, you're always going to lose, no matter even if you think your team has won. Because, as much as it behooves the state to have us convinced that it is the Republicans versus the Democrats and we, the electorate, need to make our voices heard, in reality, it's just the Republicans and Democrats, the state itself versus the rest of us. And they're winning. Mostly because the other team, us, doesn't even know what game we're playing and are paying attention to the fake one, the pro wrestling show that was the Kavanaugh confirmation, that was every other spectacle of political theater before, then will be the next media-made battle of the day. And again, there's no fixing this because it's not broken. The government is humming along just as it was designed and set up to. And most of us are none the wiser. Again, by design. So here we are. It's October. Major League Baseball is having its postseason. The NFL and college football are getting into the hearts of their schedules. The NBA and the NHL are just getting their seasons going. If you're inclined to live vicariously through the actions of men you don't know playing a game that doesn't really affect your life in any real way, this is a great time of year to do that. Mistaking the pro wrestling show of politics for something as harmless as sports team fandom, however, is a dangerous thing to do at all times. And it only gets more dangerous as time goes on and the government usurps more and more power from us individuals. So my advice would be to keep the tribalism contained to sports fandom and start seeing this pro wrestling show of politics for what it is. It's the circuses part of the bread and circuses government provides to keep all of us tax slaves mollified while they steadily erode what's left of our rights. And as I said last week, it's important to understand that governments do not grant rights. All humans have the same set of rights by virtue of being humans. All governments do is violently repress those rights to varying degrees. The founders of this nation did us a solid by conducting an experiment some 200 years ago to see if a government can be bound by its own rules and an armed citizenry. It can't, but as a neat side effect, we still have the guns. And the government still has to pretend to come up with a valid reason for entering our property. Another neat side effect that our friends in other countries don't get to enjoy as completely. 
But as long as government exists, it has the power to take those rights the rest of the way away. As of today, those who are just waiting to unleash that terrible might of the government can count on one more powerful ally among their ranks, the same man whose confirmation to the Supreme Court many are celebrating because it made liberal women cry and it means that their team won. Don't fall for it. Don't participate in the pro wrestling show, okay? All right, that's enough for now. My allergies are really kicking up. But until next time, go Lions, and the rest of you, be dangerous.